Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast brought to you by UVA Finance, UVA's trusted financial partner. Finance Matters is a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandi Van Ormer, and we're here giggling because Patty just made that weird bonk sound you heard. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm here with Patty. <laughs> I was trying to quietly put away my phone. <laughs> and that sets the tone for the entire podcast that we're going to be just giggling. Um, so, hey, Patty, thanks for hey. being back here today. We're talking about our last um, pod in this Speed of Trust series. We're going to wrap this great, thick interesting book up today with the is it fourth and fifth waves yes yes we're going to talk about the fourth and fifth waves of trust and um, we hope you've enjoyed the series on speed of trust there are a lot of really interesting ways that you can apply this to your work life and your personal life Mm -hmm. and it's um it may seem like a lot to get through when you start reading the book but i hope you've um seen the interesting ways that you can break it down and start thinking of it in smaller pieces to get more out of the whole So today, the fourth and fifth waves that we're tackling are market trust, which Mm -hmm. you may think you know about because it sounds like, you know, brands or companies or something, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then societal trust, and then we'll Mm -hmm. have a little bit of kind of a summary of what we've gone through in Mm -hmm. these different podcasts. Mm -hmm. So to start with the the fourth wave, um, market trust, Uh, when I first started this chapter in Covey's book, he was talking about branding and as a person who has been in marketing and communications for most of her career I was thinking yeah yeah, yeah. like what's behind relate. yeah what's behind mm-hmm. a brand I understand I know what you're talking about but he's talking about more than that too he's talking yeah. about our personal brand as well so yeah um tell us a little bit more yeah. Patty about what market trust means right so really when you think about market trust you're thinking about um your Customers or your external stakeholders, as we call them. Yes. Usually, we we refer to our customers as stakeholders, um, and what they think of you, and would they recommend you to others? And I'll get there there in a second with that that frame of or or that uh, thought process. But um, it's about your brand or reputation, like you said. So not only your personal reputation but then also your um, your reputation of your team or your right you know organization yeah more things than just companies mm-hmm. have brands in, right. in the book he mentions when families move yeah. they start looking at the reputations right. of the schools and right. the communities and everything yeah. so so yeah I and when as I started reading the chapter I thought well when you're in a monopoly so, and I kind of think of our group in, it's not like at UVA, somebody's going to go to a different group to get their finance <laughs> support, right? You know, they're not going to. No, they're um, not. <laughs> right. Um, and so, does, does it matter less? That was my whole thought. Yeah. Was like, does it, does, do you have to pay as much attention to market trust and making sure that you are developing and maintaining market trust when you have an organization where you're the only game in town, basically. And so there was, um, so I, as I started thinking about that as I was reading the book, and 
But then he talk, he breaks it down to the fact that your brand or your reputation matters on every level. Absolutely. And so I really appreciated that he talked about that because he talked about how um, countries have brand or reputation. And so, you know, like if things are made in or headquartered in China or India, you automatically have a certain right. thought about that, right or wrong. Yep. You know, you... Um, or he his his examples were um, alternatively companies that are in Canada or Switzerland or Sweden or you right. know others you you have a different thought about that and so even um, down to like children having reputations and like um, you know when he starts talking about personal brand right like just at that micro level like right. everybody. So it depends on that, like your your brand or the organization's brand or the team's brand. Yeah. It does matter because that is a direct relationship to how much trust tax you'll pay or how much dividend you'll get. Right, exactly. And so, so you know, he talks about this this trust at this macro level of countries and industries. Right. You know, people think about. Um, Salespeople often about salespeople, right. especially used car salesmen and stuff like that, as <laughs> being like not trustworthy. So, like whole entire um, industries and professions. occupations, yeah. where professions have um, are either paying trust taxes or trusted or get trusted. <laughs> and so, um, um, but then on the more micro level, it is your team or your division within a team. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the very most micro level, it's the reputation of you yourself, right. a person. And so when you start thinking about it at, like that, it makes a lot of sense to, um, to be concerned about it. Because on the micro level, um, it has d impacts on um, budgets, budget planning, mm -hmm. um, resource allocation. If you're considered a team that has high trust mm -hmm. when you want to staff up for things you're going to get the money to do that yep. versus a team that has low trust and so and then on the very most micro level each individual has their own brand or reputation um, it comes across on your resume it comes across on if you're applying for a job and people call your references mm -hmm. um, um, Pe how people interact with you on a daily basis in I, at work and in social. I like the point where he says it it can impact whether or not you're given the benefit of the doubt. Right, and that's very true. Yeah, if someone who has a strong, trustworthy personal brand that they haven't led us wrong before, and they're generally someone who has their head a good head on their shoulders. Yeah, if they come up with a plan that seems a little outside of the norm. Yeah. We're more apt to listen to them and think, yeah. well, maybe how it maybe might work, and yeah, and it, more so than if it came from somebody who had a lower trust, right, more shaky personal right. brand. Yes, so um, having a good personal brand makes you more effective. Mm -hmm. Able and to there's achieve classes things. and stuff out there. Like yep. you, you had mentioned when we were talking about this recording this podcast, you had mentioned Lynda.com, and there's classes there. Mm -hmm. I mean, and if it, if it if it didn't matter, there wouldn't be 
image consultants <laughs> right. um, to work with people on their brands. But. And we had a section on that um, here at UVA, in UVA Forward, our finance or operations area mm-hmm. professional development mm-hmm. um, conference. Yeah. I didn't get to go to that one. <laughs> so, so it does matter. Um, so don't be like me. <laughs> don't think that we, as you start reading this chapter or start listening to when we think about market trust and it being about reputation that well, you know, maybe it doesn't really matter if think think about it mattering on the micro level. Right. The the most micro level and then even your team and your organization. It almost maybe even matters more mm-hmm. or just in a different way because it's not like you'll lose out on the income yeah. if the customer decides to go with someone else instead of your group. Yeah. But if they can't go to anyone else but you, it means, and you have a, a poor personal brand, low trust yeah. relationship, then it just means that everyone's stuck with some something that they don't desire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And with all the poor attitudes and um, interactions that go along with a right. bad relationship. Yeah. So yeah. you don't just get to make a choice and walk away and do something else. Mm-hmm. Y'all still have to work with one another. <laughs> yeah. And then we've, we've talked about this as we've um, gone through this, all these in all these podcasts, but um, Warren Buffett had a really good quote that Stephen Covey included in the book, that where he says, "It takes twenty years to build a reputation and five minutes to destroy it." Yeah, and so um, it's really important to stay focused on that and not let things, not not pay that t- trust tax, mm-hmm. um, and not let things. Hurt your reputation and not I think you can get in a couple of our previous podcasts we've talked about facing reality and being clear about yeah. how people see you and yeah. react to you and sometimes we're quick to forgive ourselves for things yeah um, that we fail to meet a standard or you know miss a due date or whatever those things will happen but right. the way that you handle it right impacts the way that people yeah. keep their relationship with you. And it can get, I think, a little tempting in some circumstances for people to think, oh, they understand. Yes. We've worked together so yeah. much and so long. You know yeah. that I'm coming from a good place. You understand how it is. And maybe even, again, more so than in like the marketplace, mm-hmm. um, even though we're talking about academia, maybe even more so in academia, yeah. those relationships matter more because you can't make other choices. And yeah. it's like a small little microcosm of everyone knowing your reputation. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. like you can just go find some new customers. Right, <laughs> right. And, and he, he talks about how do you build your brand or how do you build your reputation? How do you get a good reputation? And this book doesn't stand alone. Like each section or each wave of trust isn't its own thing. Yeah. It all builds upon the rest, right? So, so, and... It wasn't until I got to the end of the book that I realized that. That's why we started at the end. Right. Um, and so I think these podcasts aren't, I, I'm hoping that they will inspire people to read the book and maybe, um, and not necessarily replace the reading, right. actually reading the book with just listening to the podcast. But um, you'll have a good base for it. Right. Yeah. I think you, you could go into it understanding a lot more about what's going on and things will make a lot more sense. And so when he talks about how do you build your brand or your reputation, he says, go back to the four cores of credibility that mm-hmm. we talked about. Um, 
and diagnose where you need the most improvement, uh, what the integrity, intent, capabilities, and results. Where are you perhaps lacking? So where, which of those areas of the cores of credibility need the most attention from you to, as you're building your brand or reputation? That's one. And then um, similarly, analyze those 13 behaviors and see where it is in those 13 behaviors that he describes that you need the most, um, need to focus on the most to build your reputation. Um, and then if something, if you suffer a hit on your reputation, go back and diagnose why. Right. Which of those behaviors was it, you know, caused that. Mm-hmm. And what should uh, you do A breakdown in those behaviors. And yeah. then how do you do, what do you do to fix it? And so, um, so he talks about applying the behaviors um, will build trust at the relationship level and then demonstrating them with external stakeholders will build trust at the marketplace level. And I like that final thought. Patty was good enough to put together a few little notes before we started talking today. Mm-hmm. Um, that final note that he makes that you've, you've mentioned here uh-huh. about that building, like you said, that whatever trust we're able to create in terms of market trust uh-huh. or at an organizational level, like you said, it all starts and yeah. builds from that point of whatever create credibility you're able to make in yourself. Right. And it all builds out from there. That's why I think you can't look at it from, um, we've talked about this with our, with our own leadership team here um, in finance, and how I don't think you can say, oh, as a group, we need to work on these behaviors. I think the behaviors are, are individual. Yes. And so you can't, as a group, work on things that you yourself are, right. you know, or dismiss certain behaviors because we're not going to pay attention to those as a group. And so I think the behaviors are really individual. Um, and yeah, you can look at the, the organization and say, well, as an organization, yeah, these behaviors are a little bit more lacking than others, or we're really strong in this area, but still, it starts with the individual. So you can't have one individual out there who's, you know, and you know, not, and, not paying attention to. Exactly, and just thinking about it practically, we've talked in, when we were talking about the behaviors and their counterfeits. Yeah. I don't think that you can have, especially in terms of the people who are leading a team or an organization, you can't have organizations that strongly exhibit these behaviors and have this kind of trust if it isn't, for most of the people, a very personal commitment as well. I mean, it's built then on something that's almost kind of counterfeit, right? right? Like you're really not demonstrating. The leaders of an organization have to start. Right. You know, they're the ones who have to demonstrate this and we've as all, much, if not more, than everyone else. We've all known of organizations where there are pockets mm-hmm. of this. Like, if you have to call over to such and such department, you know you just want to talk to Tammy or Brad. And if Tammy or Brad are not there, then you might as well not call because mm-hmm. you're not going to get what you need. Right. <laughs> you know, right. because they their personal brand is that they will they'll right. take care of it. They will follow through. They'll see it through to the end, get you what you need. But if it's not an organizational mm-hmm. thing, you're still hampered, right? Yeah. You're yeah. not going to be as effective as you would be because right. it's only what a couple people can do if the organization as a whole doesn't mm-hmm. commit to it. That's right. 
Thank um, you. So, so yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so, um, so that's really market trust. The the fourth wave um, is really just talking about your brand at and your reputation at all levels, individual on all the way up to thinking about how your organization. Like I said, the fourth wave made a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. The fifth wave makes sense. I just find it a little harder to talk about. Yeah. Are are you ready to? Yeah. So the fifth wave is societal trust. Um, And one of the things he starts this chapter with is this whole idea of um, this French proverb, which is fish discover water last. And I'd never heard about that before. The French. Yes. And I can't say it in French. I was just trying to think of what it could be, and I was going to butcher it so badly and shame myself (laughs) that I decided not to. Um, I wouldn't even know where to start. I'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what does that mean, uh, the the French proverb, fish discover water last? It means that because the water is all around the fish and they take it as a given, Mm -hmm. they don't ever think of it being water. It just, it is. Yeah. It is It is their environment. Mm-hmm. They don't think of it with yeah. um, They're so immersed in it that they aren't aware of its existence. Yeah. Until, until something bad right. happens it, with it. Right. Until they're out of it. They don't have it. It's non-existent yeah, or, it's or it's polluted. polluted. Right. Yeah. So he says similarly um, that human beings discover trust last. Yeah. You never know what you had until it's gone. Right. So it's so in, integral to our society that we depend on it, we take it for granted, that unless it becomes polluted or destroyed, we don't really notice that it's there. And I, I thought I tried to think more about that because so much of this is kind of a given mm-hmm. that it's hard to even think about the absence of that. But mm-hmm. just think about the things that you take for granted in society, that when you come to work every day, that people will stay in their lane, that... Right. You will get to work and pull into a parking spot and nobody will run over you in the the parking lot. That they'll obey the basic pedestrian motor vehicle interaction rules. That people will, you know, not get all up in each other's way and, you know, uh, those things you take for yeah, granted. That, you just take for granted right. that society has rules that families right. and people have right. norms that they operate by. Yeah. Yep. So in that sense, we trust others in society, too. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it, it's their own self-interest, you yep. know, sure. because they don't want to go to jail for running you over. But we trust, lot. we trust that our government will take care of threats to the country. We trust that... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> we trust that um, our places of employment will make good decisions for employees, we tr- you know, there's a lot of things right. that we just assume are givens. Yeah. And until it happens, something shows us that maybe our trust is ill-founded. Right. We just make those leave those assumptions glide seamlessly right. along. Yeah. And so, um, he, he talks about you know, then without trust, society will self self-destruct, and that's true. Like Absolutely. If, if suddenly, you couldn't trust anybody to do the right thing, or you know, you. I think of a lot of things we take for granted. Like, think about our electricity. Yeah. And so it's so part of our lives. We recently right? had here that, in Virginia a big uh, freeze that knocked out electricity um, pretty in a pretty widespread yeah. way. And so I'm prepared to think about how I felt then. Yeah. <laughs> and so down. if you think about it, things like that, you can say, oh, yeah, trust is so ingrained in our society that without it, 
it wouldn't we wouldn't be able to live the same way that we just do. think about the minor like it's relatively minor the panic that ensues when it seems like there's a shortage of something yeah gas or groceries yeah. or whatever like, yeah it, it can break down pretty quickly yeah but we don't think about it until right it does. So that's kind of the negative side that's kind yeah. of the negative view of things yeah so the positive side how he describes it how Covey describes it is that with high trust we have more opportunities mm -hmm. we have more options we interact better with each other like if you're not thinking about survival all the time right. and covering yourself yeah then you can think about a lot of really good creative right. problem solving type things right and so it impacts our quality of life absolutely and so um so he then as as he talks about societal trust and i think the best way to kind of understand it is keeping that in mind that that it's integral to our society and that without it we would self-destruct and with it we can have more opportunity and more options and we interact better together uh, better and we have a better quality of life the idea of the principle the key principle of societal trust is contribution so the intent is then to create more value instead of destroying it to give more instead of taking more and so when you think about it that way, I think that I get the, that key principle, yeah. the idea. Yeah, that it takes people participating in it. Right. It takes a village. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all have to be a part of um, contributing to that tr that society yeah. of trust Yeah. so that it can continue and we yeah. can all benefit from it. And he talks about in the book about like companies who put around their goals um, being, you know, giving back more than they take. Mm, and so that's cool. yeah it's it's a good it's it's a good chapter um and how it's just become more about contribution than just um, and this has really high stakes too we are in finance and no one lives or dies by what we do and i think for a lot of our listeners who are in some kind of professional or academic mm -hmm. environment the stakes are not as high but i've also been listening to a book club book that we're going to do a podcast on later, which is Charles, is it his last name? Duhigg? Du du Duhigg? I yeah. don't know. Power it's of Habit. D-U-H-I-G-G. Right. Yeah. The Power, Power of Habit. The Power of Habit is yeah. a great book, and um, part of my communications background has been in healthcare, and I listened with great interest to his chapters talking about how habit impacts hospital right. environments mm -hmm. and you know, the horrible things like very contentious nurse and doctor relationships and mm -hmm. wrong site surgeries and horrible medical errors, you know, things that can result from low trust environments. He doesn't talk specifically about trust. It's mm -hmm. more about habit. Mm -hmm. And that's a topic in itself that I look forward to us discussing on the pod. But these society, the trust um, in society, the market trust, the, mm -hmm. all the way down to that personal self-trust self -trust mm -hmm. and credibility has massive implications as it ripples through life. This mm -hmm. is not just, are you going to have good relationships in work or mm -hmm. in life or whatever? This is big stuff. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So... Moving on to inspiring trust, yeah. kind of so wrapping this up a bit. So he ends the book with, with talking about inspiring trust, um, and really kind of, I, I almost feel like it's the, the most important part of the book, <laughs> um, because he talks about the being 
the prime differ differentiator between a manager and a leader is the ability in to inspire trust. Yeah, that's and a very I, Simon Sinek kind yes, of thing there. Right, definitely. Yeah. Um, but he talks a lot about what he calls smart trust, which is um, when you think about extending trust, um, although it, it is can bring you, you know, great reward and dividends. Um, it's also very risky. Yeah, and the more cynical folks in our audience may be thinking, yeah, you, there are people you can't trust. And you're actually not wrong about that. Right. That there are some yeah. people that you you do need to be smart about extending trust to them and doing it in measured ways or times or instances. Yeah. Or if at all, because the risk involved is not to be tolerated. Yeah. So he, you know, he talks about the sweet spot of extending trust um, or extending smart trust in a way that minimizes risk and maximizes your dividends. So specifically about learning from the past and using good judgment. <laughs> and so um, I think you're going to post it in the show notes, but there's a matrix that he, that he has. Yeah, um, a really simple quadrant based yeah. trust matrix. So, and, and in that, I'll, I'll just kind of describe it um, as where you'll, you'll post it, but yeah, um, I'll describe it. But he on the one, um, uh, what do you call that? The axis or is it the, it's not really an axis, it's the... Oh man, I, I was not good in geometry. Matrix, yeah. <laughs> so on the, on, the, on the horizontal piece of it is um, the analysis piece. So learning how to extend smart trust is a function of two factors, um, and the analysis and the propensity to trust. And so each, each one of the quadrants of the matrix is along those two lines. And um, analysis is on the horizontal and the vertical is propensity. Right. Got it. And so um, you'll see, if you look at the show notes, you'll see this matrix. But um, in those different quadrants are um, the... Blind trust, which is um, gullibility. Yeah, it's, it's basically being gullible to everything, and so the propensity to trust is high, um, but the analysis is low, right? Yeah, you're so, not thinking about the risk. Mm -hmm. You're just saying, oh, "I trust you." Right. Um, smart trust is in quadrant two, which is the analysis is high and the propensity to trust is also high. And I've so evaluated that's where you, the situation right. and have decided to extend trust. Yeah, so you're using judgment. Um, and then three, quadrant three, which is the pr pr propensity to trust is low um, and the analysis is low, is no trust or it's it's really not being able to decide on anything yeah. in decision. You don't, you don't, you're not analyzing anything, but you're also choosing to not trust It's the anybody. flip side of being gullible, right. which is like... Trusting yeah. no one. And then the fourth quadrant is the analysis is high and the propensity to trust is low. And so that's where you come with distrust or suspicion. And so, um, and he says that's where you're trusting only yourself. And he actually talks about that. He talks about smart trust is where you want to be. You want to be in that smart trust quadrant where the propensity to trust is high, but you're also analyzing things and using judgment and past experiences and all of that goes into your um, analysis. 
but he also talks about the highest risk zone as being the distrust or suspicion area. Um, and he said it's, it may sound like low risk, but that it's actually one of the highest risk zones of all because when you're highly suspicious, you overanalyze, you overevaluate, and it ends up decreasing your speed and increasing cost. Because it's an enormous time and, right. and resource suck. Right. So you miss opportunities, you cut off collaboration with others, um, you cut yourself off from other people's perspectives and insights and thoughts and all of that. And he said, especially for leaders, this is a huge problem. Yeah. So, um, so I thought that was really interesting and a really good way of thinking about it. So when you think about trust, you're not just trusting everybody and not thinking about it. You're, um, you're using smart trust. So when you're using smart trust and you're using, you, you have a propensity to extend trust, but you're, you're also using your powers of analysis to decide, should I extend trust? Mm -hmm. So when you're deciding whether or not you're going to extend trust, what are the things that you should consider? Well, Covey talks about, um, first of all, consider the opportunity. So what is the opportunity? What is it that you're trying to mm -hmm. decide about? What's the situation? That's the first question. And then think about what the risk is that's involved. Um, so in thinking about the risk, you think about what are the possible outcomes, what, is, what are the likelihood of the outcomes, um, and what is the importance or how visible is it to, uh, to others, that the outcomes. Um, and then finally, think about what is the credibility, the character and competence, remember that from right. the, um, of the people involved. And so that's where you do your analysis. That's the analysis you do is look at the opportunity, look at the risk, and look at the credibility of the people involved. It's a lot to weigh, yeah, but the results is. can be very yeah. profitable. Right, and, and I mean, to say it like that, it sounds like every single thing you do in your life is going to be, um, that you're gonna go through that kind of analysis, and that's just not true. It's not true, and it's not like you're, uh, very true. You're not gonna sit down and make a list when you're thinking, for instance, should I ask someone on my team if they want to handle this project? Yeah. Or should I let my kid walk a couple blocks over to go play with a friend? Yeah. Or should I, is it okay to pull out in front of that car? Right. You know, that, that's, yeah. the, that's the kind of quick analysis you're yeah. going to do. You're going to say, what's the opportunity? Oh, there's a, a space between two cars that I can pull out in the parking lot. Is it lot. worth the risk? Yeah. What are the possible outcomes? The possible outcomes are they're going to either run into me and hit me yep. or um, or they're going to stop, right? Those are the outcomes. And What's what, do the you, what do you know about their character and competence? You, you don't know anything. So that's where you're yeah. a little bit, but you're still doing this quick analysis. Yep. So so you don't know anything about their character. You but you might make... You do know a little bit about their competence because you can see if they're slowing down. But you can also make a decision in that case based on where you are, too. The answer right. might be different in a big city than it would right. in a small town. Right. Yeah. So, so that's a kind of like yeah. daily, quick kind of analysis we're doing based on this very real kind hey, of thing. Covey talks a lot in this book about trust glasses, but sometimes I think, too, it's a, it's a little bit about trust muscles. 
Oh, yeah. Like your, these did are things. Did you just think of that? I did. That's so cool, Brandy. <laughs> Patenting that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you. these are things that you have to learn to be better about and learn right. to be more cognizant of and more perceptive yeah. about it. Yeah. And definitely. I think that going through this book, listening to these podcasts are great ways to do that. You yeah. know, to really start thinking about yourself yeah. and your interactions and your organization with your trust glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> Building your trust muscle. With your trust muscles. So, so yeah, so that's... that's so how a, do we build our trust muscles? <laughs> well, start by <laughs> working out by <laughs> listening to our podcast and there then read the book. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but he ends the whole, um, the whole book. And we started, you'll... you'll know this if you've listened to the other podcasts but we started at the end by yes. reading his afterword which I thought was really important too so if you do read the book I'd start from there I'd start for, by it's reading it's a really afterward. good grounding and I, I would end by reading it again mm-hmm. um, but in summary he talks about you know well, how do you inspire trust um, and again he goes back to well you start with yourself big covey thing mm-hmm. starting with yourself Look at your own credibility, looking at the four cores, remember? Mm-hmm. Integrity, intent, capabilities, and results. Yep. Um, consistently behaving in trust-building ways in your interaction, interactions with others by yep. demonstrating 13 behaviors, right? Um, extend smart trust to others. And you, if you're a leader in your organization, which everyone is um, in different ways, um, use the four cores and 13 behaviors to create alignment in your organization. Um, increase your reputation in the mar- marketplace and c- contribution to society. And so he says, by doing all that, it's no small task, but by doing all this, you'll get results in ways that inspire confidence and trust. You know, talking through this book has made me appreciate it even more than just reading it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I read me it, too. I liked it and appreciated it. But um, now talking, having talked through it, I got a lot more out of it. And I hope our listeners will maybe try both ways to listen yeah. to the podcast, look at the right. book. Um, it's got a lot of really important things to I say. I keep going back to things from the book. I think my mm-hmm. husband's sick of me saying, in the speed of trust. It's <laughs> you really got to work on your behavior number seven. I don't even know what behavior seven is off the top of my head. But I hope that you've enjoyed the Speed of Trust series. It was important enough that we thought we needed to dedicate several episodes to it so gosh five thirty five thirty minute episodes let me do well some of them were longer than 30 minutes yeah i mean it's like almost three solid hours of speed of trust yeah um but it's important and it's very foundational anything else you want to say before we wrap it up i think i I enjoyed the book i i think it's meaningful and well written for the most part i mean it's uh well it's well written but there were parts I felt like, oh, there could be less stories. and Yeah. You know, so I recommend it, though. I recommend book. if you download it on Audible that you listen to it at 1.5 speed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Covey is a smart guy. He's a slow narrator. All right. So that's all for us today from Finance Matters. We'll have some great content coming up. We've alluded to that 
a little bit even in today's podcast, but we've got some cool guests coming up too. So lots of fun things to get you thinking here in 2019 about not only your professional well-being, but your well-being as a whole person. Mm-hmm. Because it's all tied up together, just like the waves of trust. you got to yeah. start with a whole well person. You can read more about what finance is up to on the blog at uvafinance.blogspot.com. If you've got an idea for something that we should talk about or somebody we should talk to, please do let us know. We love ideas. You can email me or Patty, or you can tweet us at uva underscore finance. That's all for now. Until next time, do good work because what you're doing matters. Boom. (laughs) Have a great day, everybody. Bye.